Hello and welcome to another episode of The Voice for American Law Enforcement with your host, Randy Sutton, retired police lieutenant, 34 years of police service, the author of A Cop's Life and the soon to be released, Rescuing 911, The Fight for America's Safety. Keep your eye out for that one. And uh, also the founder of The Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers, www.thewoundedblue.org. On this show, we talk about all things law enforcement, and there is never a shortage of things to talk about. I have a special guest with me today, my co-host, uh, Moses Castillo, is a retired police detective from the City of Angels, Los Angeles PD. Did 30 years as a police officer there. Also the host of the Blue Line podcast on uh, KBC in Los Angeles. And he is, uh, a, let's call him an activist, retired law enforcement officer, activist in getting the real news out about the police. So, Moses, thanks for joining me on The Voice for American Law Enforcement. Hey, Randy. Thanks. Great to be here with you. And uh, I look forward to for this opportunity because you're right. we got to change the narrative in our great country. That's exactly right. So, you know, one of the things that, that you are really, really active in and have been very passionate about the recall effort of the Los Angeles District Attorney, George Gascone. And I want to really talk about that because this recall effort has really heated up, especially since the, um, the recall, the successful recall of the other activist uh, radical district attorney in San Francisco, Chesa Bodine, earlier this week. What's that? Uh, what, what's the the uh, trajectory been now on the Gascone um, recall effort? Because I know you've got your finger on that pulse. Well, absolutely. You know, Randy. You know, there's there's over 67 sponsored George Soros prosecutors, these quote unquote progressive uh, DAs uh, throughout our country. Well, actually, take it back. Now there's 66, soon to be 65, because you <laughs> take away uh, building. So we're we're on on pace to get Gus going on the ballot. And I guarantee you, once he's on the ballot to get him recalled, he's out. Uh, his, his days are numbered, and I'm really looking forward to that. Well, you're not the only one looking forward to that. So for the, for the audience, how many votes, how many signatures are needed to get this on the ballot? You need uh, surely um, just shy of 600,000 signatures on the ballot and a few weeks ago, the political action committee that actually is running the campaign, they announced that there are over 500,000 already gathered signatures. And uh, when they announced that, they also announced that they sent out, they mailed out 3 point, I want to say 3.6 million uh, petitions with an envelope uh, to, to registered voters in LA County. And if we get only 5% back return, we'll have more than enough to qualify for the ballot. That's why I'm so excited. So I, it literally is in the hands of the voters, this, this recall effort against George Gascon. And, and let me remind you, uh, this is the second attempt. The first attempt, like in San Francisco, did not succeed. The second attempt in San Francisco did. This is why we feel this time around, uh, it's, it's gonna succeed. And the reason why it's gonna succeed because not everybody feels it. Everybody who lives, works, plays in Los Angeles County are afraid of seeing the rise in crime and violent crime, the smashing grabs, 
these homicides, these shootings, they're on the rise like never before. And it's because of the uh, views of George Gascon where he doesn't charge special allegations of the use of a gun, gang enhancements, to name a few. And let me tell you something. Um, this is this is not only here in, in California, but I, I hope that this translates to across the nation. Well, let, let's talk about um, because not everybody is familiar with gang enhancements and and special circumstances and things like that. Because this is very critical to the conversation. So when George George Gascon, now it's kind of weird that Gascon used to be a police officer, a police commander in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, yeah. Did, did he like undergo a brain transplant or something? I mean, of, of all people that ought to know what what the criminal justice system is is supposed to do, uh, he winds up, he gets his, his uh, law degree and then becomes the district attorney of San Francisco which I find kind of ironic. Um, he, he goes up there and he does all his radical stuff up there. And then, of course, with, uh, with the funding of George Soros, gets elected as the district attorney in Los Angeles. That's the big fish. And, I mean, it, it instantly became apparent um, that, that he was going to be not only emboldened in his radicalism, but he was going to try and bulldoze his way into the Los Angeles district attorney, uh, in, into the system, and really and really kind of destroy it from within. But there's been a lot of pushback, hasn't there? Oh, absolutely. And, and Randy, let me add this. Uh, he only passed the, uh, the uh, bar exam, and that, that made him an attorney, but he's never, ever stepped foot inside a courtroom before a judge for anything, let alone a hearing, uh, presenting a case, filing a case, he's never done any of that. He was only appointed by then uh, Mayor uh, Newsom, and uh, it was a fluke. Because hey, by the way, uh, George, uh, don't you have a? Uh, didn't you pass the bar? He goes, oh yeah, okay. Well, you know what? I'll appoint you as a DA. That's how it happened. And you know, as you mentioned, you know, that's where the downfall of San Francisco began. Is when when he became the DA of San Francisco, and then he wanted to bring those practices here to Los Angeles. And I'll tell you, day day two, when he took office, I was in, in a courtroom in Los Angeles County. I was there to advocate for a victim uh, of, a, of, a, of a brutal uh, murder and their family, because George Gascon has really not only instituted these policies, but he's actually stripped away the ability for a prosecutor to advocate for their victims. And because the boss I work for now, he's a former prosecutor, and I still have my contact with the LA County DA's office, uh, prosecutors, homicide detectives were reaching out to us to please come in as Marcy's Law attorneys. Marcy's Law is the Victims' Bill of Rights here in California to make sure that the victims' rights are not uh, tampered with or, or stepped on. And so there I am in the courtroom and I and I see uh, the case that's uh, before us. It's not it's not my case yet, but it was I was watching, observing another case that was being called before our case was being called. And it was a very similar situation. In that particular case, the victim was murdered in a horrible, horrible domestic violence case. And there, she had no one to advocate for her. Uh, she didn't have a Marcy's Law attorney. In that case, the prosecutor read into the record something that George Gascon forced his prosecutors to do, 
and that was go in there to court the very next day after I got elected and dismiss the special allegations, dismiss the special circumstances, get them removed. And so when the prosecutor is doing that in this particular case, uh, then the judge then turns to the defense counsel and then this lady stands up. She was in your honor. She's the, now again, she's the defense counsel and she's from the public defender's office. She says these words, Randy, and I, in my 30 years of law enforcement, I was shocked. This is what she said. She was your honor. I stand along with the DA George Cascon on this issue. Never in my wildest dream have you ever heard a defense attorney saying I align myself with the DA of LA County. Okay, so I'm going, to, I'm going to stop you there for a second because here we are. We're talking about special circumstances. So in the in many uh, jurisdictions, Los Angeles, California being one of them, a special circumstance means it's it's an enhanced um, sentence. So you get convicted of the major crime, say murder, and then uh, there's a sentencing guideline for that, twenty to life or whatever it is. But what what law enforcement uh, and prosecutors are supposed to do is look at it, are there special circumstances that are enhancements to the punishment. So in this case, it could be like use of a deadly weapon, use of a, a firearm, correct? Correct. It could Which be use would, of a fire. It could be the, the use of uh, torture, binding. It could be another crime committed within the homicide so if you commit a robbery and then somebody gets murdered that's the special circumstances or enhancement that could be added uh there's gang enhancements if somebody commits a crime with the use of a gun for the purposes of enhancing their gang activity and the, or their gang membership or the gang itself that's another enhancement now these enhancements let me remind uh your viewers that these were voted in by the people decades ago as as a as a cry to to try to uh, minimize the violent crime that was on the rise back then, when I was a young police officer in the in the 90s, and, and you'll you'll attest to this, Randy, homicides in LA alone, LA City, were over a thousand homicides a year, over a thousand. Uh, now we got it down to under a hundred, but now since Gascon's in office, we're slowly creeping up. We're now past 300 a year and that's that's wow. huge that's 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 a massive increase that's a threefold increase it went from a thousand a year and then when when these additional tough laws were put into place the enhancement statutes the three strike law etc um, exactly so that was very effective in controlling the violent crime rate but gascon has come in and basically said we're not going to be using any of these enhancements. The whole purpose of of, of these enhancements is to keep, um, you know, violent felons in jail longer. But he doesn't want that, does he, Moses? No, absolutely. In fact, he thinks that 15 is the magic number. He thinks that nobody should be in prison, no matter what they did, more than 15 years. That's crazy. How, how could you not? Or where's the justice in that? And so, yeah, he, he actually, uh, a year Prior to him being elected, he was interviewed by a professor at USC, and they they dubbed the talk uh, a conversation with Gascon. You know, and, and during that one-hour interview, he's actually heard saying out of his own words, his own mouth, that he believes that the government should not be allowed to punish people. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm like, 
he, here, here he is running for DA and he has this philosophy that the government shouldn't be allowed to punish people. Are you freaking kidding me? So, so not only has he canceled the, um, basically canceled the, the enhancement statutes, thereby allowing much lesser sentences, but he also, if I remember correctly, um, refuses to, uh, to prosecute anyone under the age of 18 as an adult. When some of these hardcore gangbangers are 16, 17 years old, committing multiple murders, and he wants to charge them only as a juvenile. Absolutely. Not, not only is he want to, he's actually refusing to allow what we call a transfer hearing. The transfer hearing is the hearing that's held by the prosecution, the defense, and then we allow the judge to consider all the facts, all the evidence, and let the judge decide that. He's not even allowing his prosecutors to hold that hearing. That is what's crazy. Uh, he received a lot of pushback on a case uh, known as Tubbs, where he now claims he's a he's a woman, but he's actually a man. Where you know when he was underage, he brutally raped and sexually assaulted a ten-year-old in a public bathroom in, in a uh, Denny's restaurant, and he wasn't apprehended until years later because of the DNA technology. When he was apprehended, I think he was in his mid-twenties, and, and now Gascon didn't want to charge him as an adult. He he charged him as a as a minor. And he took a lot of pushback because that inmate, when he was in custody, he was bragging on jail phone calls, recordings. He's bragging how he's going to get away with it because of Gascon. And he bragged about it. And Gascon refused to hold a transfer hearing. And therefore, he only got two years or even less than that when he was in custody. And here's the kicker. This guy is a man trying to pretend to be a woman. And George Gascon placed them in a juvenile facility with females because he claimed to be a female. <laughs> Can you believe that crap? You, you can't even make this up. And if I remember correctly, he was also he was also arrested for another similar sex crime if, if after that, if I'm if I remember this correctly. Well, you're, I think you're, you're, what you're what you're referring to is he was actually linked to a murder case out of Kern County they filed charges right before he, he was about to be re released. So thank God for that. He was never released from LA County. He was transferred over to Kern County where he's now, or actually I think it's Fresno County. Let me, let me, it's Fresno County. He's up in Fresno County uh, facing murder charges. So there you go. Uh, uh, rehabilitation on this fool is not working. He's committing crimes left and right. And he committed crimes as a, as a minor and he continued to commit crimes as an adult. So again, our, our communities are not safe when we allow these animals, you know, without any consequences. So, you know, I, one of the things that I found interesting with uh, with the with the Gascon situation, um, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, that that we know of sixty seven. I think it's actually closer to seventy now. Um, district attorneys who have been funded and basically you know uh pushed into office with the massive amounts of funding supplied by george soros who is been very effective in putting these who i, I call them trojan horse district attorneys and prosecutors because they're let into the gates and then they destroy from within so um he's been very effective in putting these district attorneys into office one of the things that that was different with la 
is that the L.A. district attorneys, assistant district attorneys, are actually unionized. And so instead of, because uh, many of these district attorneys, when they come in and they get rid of all of the district attorneys, the assistants, that know, you know, know actually how to prosecute cases and then put in people with the same mentality. He's he's been he's faced a lot of pushback from the uh, assistant district attorneys. Have they? Has he not? Absolutely. The association that represents the LA County prosecutors have, uh, I think, it was over ninety percent of them when they when they held a vote to show a vote of no confidence in George Gascon. Over over ninety percent of them um, voted uh, in favor of the no uh, confidence in Mr. Gascon. And, and I believe, if I remember correctly, there was about eight of them that voted in favor of Mr. Gascon, that in other words, that they support him. And that's me, that eight represents those eight prosecutors out there that you're right, that they're his assistants, they're his right-hand people. So it kind of makes sense, but you're right. The, the, the office of the DA's office right now is at the lowest morale you could ever imagine. And, and it breaks my heart. I, I, I get many phone calls on a weekly basis, text messages, but you know what? I gotta salute them and I applaud them because they're still fighting the good fight. They're fighting up as best as they, as best they can. And, and and they feel a little bit of, of encouragement when they see that we're, we're, at, we're at the finish line. You know, we're almost there. And hopefully we get those signatures and get them on the ballot and we get them out. Because if we don't, if we don't, if for some reason Gascon succeeds, we're in trouble. Because now he's going to feel empowered more so than he was before. Right. But I right. am confident that we're going to get him out. I am confident that people are seeing through his policies. And, you know, it's funny. The, the other day he, he, he attends this parade in support of, uh, you know, the Pride Parade. Uh, and it's funny because day one, when he took office, he also removed the hate crime allegations, the hate crime enhancements. And as you know, the hate crimes are enhancements for those uh, groups that are considered special groups and whenever they are victims because of being part of a group there's an enhancement well he removed that enhancement and it wasn't until he got pushback from these special groups that he made an exception and he actually said this he said i'm not going to make any exception because the exception will swallow the rule well guess what he made an exception and uh now to, to, to appease these groups and so he's out there this weekend announcing, hey, I'm here with them to show my support. And I'm thinking, oh, you're, you're out there. You, you actually didn't want to advocate for them. And now, now, you, now you want to say you're, you're a friend? Come on. It's crazy nonsense for him. Well, I know that, I know that Soros is, is putting a lot of money just like he did with uh, trying, to, trying to fight the, uh, the Bodine recall. Uh, I think he's doing the same thing in, uh, in L.A., is he not? Yeah, you know what? It gives me a sense of hope, Randy, because you're absolutely right. Uh, Todd Spitzer, who ran here in Orange County against Pete Harding. Pete Harding was another George Soros uh, sponsor, another George Gascon clone, if you will. And guess what? I, I, ultimately, uh, George Soros did not fund his campaign. I think he saw the writing on the wall that he was going to just waste money if he, if he did pour in millions of dollars in the, in the campaign because it wasn't going anywhere. Todd Spitzer won the race overwhelmingly, uh, you know, 60-something percent, and I think Bodine got somewhere in the high 20s. Uh, so to me, uh, that, that says that, you know what, people are listening, people are watching, and they are paying attention, and they're not being fooled 
by these policies. Interesting. Well, you know, and, and so I, I am very encouraged about about this. And when I uh, my new book is released, Rescuing 911, The Fight for America's Safety, uh, I devote a lot of time and effort into revealing the uh, the, the George Soros conspiracy, basically. In fact, um, well, actually, his name, we're going to talk about a little more about Soros and, and his basically his his evil empire, which is pretty much what it is. Um, but I want to also say that uh, there was a story that came out today, which was also encouraging. Um, this is from uh, Fox News. Pennsylvania lawmakers move to impeach liberal Philly um, district attorney Krasner. Quote, he's completely lost his mind, unquote. Uh, GOP state lawmakers explain articles of impeachment against Krasner on Fox and Friends first. So um, before I re read any more of this article, it's I want to make it um, explain to the viewers and the listeners, whether you're seeing this on YouTube or AmericaOutloud.com or you're listening to it on iHeartRadio, um, in Every state is different when it comes down to the removal of district attorneys. First of all, it's exceedingly rare. It's it's it almost never happens that a district attorney is removed from office. So in California, it has to be done through the election process, which is why this recall effort is uh, is so important in California. But other states have different avenues. All of them are difficult in order to remove a district attorney. But in Pennsylvania, it has to be done through impeachment. So, um, I, I, but I find this encouraging, Moses. Uh, just uh, uh, Pennsylvania state lawmakers are moving to impeach Philadelphia's far left district attorney, Larry Krasner, as the crime surge continues to plague city streets. Republican state representatives Tim O'Neill, Josh Kale, and Torin Ecker detailed the effort to oust Krasner and why they are confident the move will garner bipartisan support. And he says, we want to highlight the dereliction of duty that we've seen from the district attorney. Lives have been lost. Property has been destroyed. And really, families have been crushed. Enough is enough, and we need to do something. We need to get back to the basics in this commonwealth and in this nation. Um, so, this is another encouraging sign that maybe we're starting to see a little bit of the move of the pendulum, which has been so far to the left that maybe it's starting to tick back a little bit into a, into a sense of normalcy. But these are very this is a, a radical um, uh, response that is that it, that is required. I mean, it's, this is like a major operation to remove a district attorney. But it's, it seems like maybe the, the, the death toll that we've seen in our cities, the, the tsunami of, of violent crime um, that has been literally out of control, we're, we're finally starting to see the people speaking. And, and uh, uh, I, this, for me, this is a really encouraging sign. How about you? Well, absolutely. It's very encouraging, especially when you consider that San Francisco is the probably most liberal city uh, in the country. Uh, they, the Democrats, uh, recalled uh, building. So even for, for their standards, they say, hey, uh, this is a, I don't want to see people pooping in my, you know, in my front yard. 
uh, or committing you know these all these smashing grabs without any uh, you know legal consequences. So yeah, absolutely, I'm very very encouraged. And you know on, along those lines, it's very important to note that we we need elected leaders in our in our country who are going to put people first, support law enforcement, and put criminals last. It's that simple, Randy. You, you support the law-abiding citizens that pay taxes, that follow the law, support them. And then law enforcement, support the law, support law enforcement, not just by your words, but your actions. And, you know, enough with this defund the police movement. It's, it's a bunch of crap. And if you put criminals last, we're going to be a-okay. So if we follow that formula, I, I think that's what we need to do. And I think people are, are waking up to that. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. So uh, before we switch gears, I'm going to do a little uh, a little uh, plug for my friends over at OfficerPrivacy.com. Now um, we've seen uh, the, the the tactics of Antifa and of violent protesters from all kinds of groups when they target uh, people that they don't agree with. Well, very often these are police officers. And uh, and I didn't know this until I, I, I spoke to the, the folks over at, at OfficerPrivacy.com that it is really easy to find you in records on the Internet, find out where you live, find out what kind of car you drive. And this is pretty scary stuff. So uh, OfficerPrivacy.com was founded by a, uh, a, a police officer in, the, in California who what they do is is critical for as far as I'm concerned for officer safety and that is they go into these these sites that have your personal information and they remove it and they make it much more difficult to find you and so that you know kind of protection against doxing i mean we've seen this now this tactic being used by by uh, you know radical criminals uh, they used it against the uh, the uh, Supreme Court justices uh, in in finding them. So uh, I urge you to, if you're law enforcement or have been law enforcement and you want to target harden yourself and your family, go to officerprivacy.com, officerprivacy.com. Not expensive. Uh, it'll give you peace of mind. And the folks over there are, uh, are really, really police friendly as they should be. So officerprivacy.com, check it out. All kinds by the way, of, yes. By the way, I'm also a member of OfficerPrivacy.com, and it's a great service. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> then you probably heard it here from me. I did. I did. <laughs> okay, that's what I like to hear. Uh. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best. Freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. 
click the banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about Soros because I, I, I think it, it's, it's, it's really critical for the people of America to know what an insidious creature this guy is. Um, he's a massive, massive multi-billionaire who has been, uh, who has been influential in, in trying to degrade the United States of America in any way that he can. And he owns a whole ton of media companies. Now, maybe that explains why when there's uh, anti-law enforcement news that it gets pushed out and pushed out and pushed out, whereas any, any positive coverage of, of law enforcement is tamped down all the time. So he's got massive influence in the, in the uh, news market from what he owns and controls in the media. So now... In his quest to control more of the media, this this article just came out, and to me, Moses, this is this is the scariest stuff because when you control the information that people hear, you influence the entire nation, and this guy's this guy's plot to and it is. I mean, there's why why would you want to put district attorneys in place? that are going to allow crime. Well, there's only one, one reason for that, and that is to divide the nation and degrade the country. So if you have, if you have the, the ear of the country because of what you own in media, you're controlling the narrative. Now, he's trying to take over an, the, the entire Latin news network. Um, so th- this is the, the title of this article, um, also from Fox. Um, Soros Takeover, Outrage as Miami's Anti-Communism Radio Mambi could be controlled by Oma- Obama and Clinton staffers. Insiders at influential conservative Florida station are skeptical of the Soros-linked takeover. Uh, I'll just read a, a couple of, of lines from this. Miami, my, Miami, my, Miami's iconic Spanish-language conservative talk radio station, Radio Mambi, could soon be controlled by political strategists who worked for President Obama and Hillary Clinton's political campaign. The pending sale to a George Soros-linked group has caused outrage inside, inside the station throughout Miami's Cuban-American community and among conservative media watchdogs. Radio Mambi, which is historically linked to the Cuban exile community and offers an anti-communism view, would be controlled by a group of liberals 
partially funded by Soros, a far-left billionaire. If the $60 million deal is approved by the Federal Communications Commission. Media Research Center Director uh, MRC Latino Jorge Bania blasted the move as a power grab by the left. He says this is about power. This is about control. This is not about free speech. This is not about this misinformation. This is about controlling the flow of information to a specific community for political purposes. And that is what makes this deal so controversial Bonilla told Fox News Digital. So, um, this guy, Soros, is, um, is very strategic. He's putting yeah. in place far-left district attorneys that really control the criminal justice system. He's putting them in place um, through his massive funding. And now... Because he's got more money than he could ever possibly spend, he's he's buying up uh, an entire um, uh, network of radio stations that are specifically for the the Latin American community. Now, if if he controls that Moses, what do you think that is going to do to the narrative? We're in trouble, Randy. If he does that, uh, the struggles that we've been fighting here for, you know, going against these rogue DAs, uh, it's going to be tough, especially if he does it in time for the, you know, the November ballot, November election, because now he's going to promote Gascon like crazy. You know, he's a Cuban, uh, you know, national as well. He, you know, he's from Cuba. And so, you know, to me, that's kind of odd that, you know, he, here he is uh, tapping into Cuban prosecutor. But, but you know what, it, it, it really, it gives us, you and I and, and our folks here, a greater resolve to continue to give out this message. And, and because we gotta, you know, it's time that our, our law enforcement family, our supporters rally and get behind us. Because you know what, for the most part, police officers, as you know, they can't even uh, take a moment to vote for their internal elections when it comes to their, you know, their league directors or their union presidents and, and the offices for the union, let alone, you know, the regular votes for that, that impact our communities, that that impact our state legislators, they don't get involved. So I think we need to start changing that attitude and, and making sure that we do get involved, that our voices are heard in, in these elections, and, and we could, you know, make a difference that way. But you, I absolutely believe that, you know, Randy, somebody asked me the other day, so why do you think Soros is doing this? Why is he doing this? Why is he putting in these prosecutors that are rogue progressive DAs, why is he, you know, now trying to buy this? You know, the answer that I could come up with is this, you know, power and control. And he thinks that by doing that, these, these elected officials will then gain more power because, you know, some people will buy into this narrative and that translates to votes for them. Although I know that convicted felons are not allowed to vote, but they're trying to change that as well. They're trying to change the, the laws to allow these convicted felons to vote. But the family members of these convicted felons, they could vote. And I think it translates to votes and power. Well, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, I think that um, I think that Soros is uh, is literally a cancer uh, in this in in our country. He has he has inflicted an incredible body count 
of victims because of his uh, his influence. Um, and you know, you look at the big picture. He's he he's from a, a, another country. Um, he's uh, he has been very active in the destruction of other countries' financial systems. Um, so my 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 thought process is he's doing this in order to destroy the United States as we know it, and and the, his insidious way of doing it. Um, is a, is the long game. I mean, he's been doing this for years, and he's picking up. It seems momentum uh, by by uh, you know um, owning uh, these these massive media companies and controlling the narrative by putting you know other district attorneys. And now I believe he's actually started with uh, with elected sheriffs too. Uh, he's 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 starting to try and influence those elections as well. So, you know, here's what it comes down to, Moses, that the people of this nation who we, we have always referred to as the silent majority can no mm -hmm. longer remain silent. We all have to, have to become activists, if you will, activists in the protection of ourselves, our families, and our communities. And the only way that we can do that is by being informed and then taking action in the voting booth. Uh, so, you right. know, this is this is critical I stuff. Agree. This this is the message that we need to impart um, you know, throughout all of our channels that uh, that it's time for us to unite and and fight this literally this criminal scourge that is washing across America. But it's going to be a Absolutely. big it's going to be a big job, isn't yeah. it? Well, it is. You know, Randy, I was once uh, uh, told that uh, there's three types of people in our, in our country. Those that make things happen and those that watch things happen. And then those that wonder what the hell just happened. Yeah, that's you know good. That's right. And, and you know what? We can't be the last two. We got to be we have to be the ones that make things happen. We can't no longer be on the sidelines, watch the news, allow things play out and say that's somebody else's problem. Because ultimately, it's our problem. It's our community. This is why I was fighting uh, for Orange County DA Todd Spitzer to get reelected. Because it's my county. No way. I didn't want to turn. There was a his, his slogan was perfect. He says, "No LA in OC. No way. We're not. We're, we're going to allow Los Angeles to become Orange County." And the same thing with uh, you know our, our state attorney general. Same thing. We need to get somebody. We need Bonta out of there. Bonta's another Gascon. Another right. You know, has to go on and we got to remove these people and the only way to do it is by our vote and i know there's there's issues with our voting systems right now but hopefully uh you know i'm working on some of the stuff on that issue behind the scenes as well hopefully we'll get some traction and expose those flaws in our, in our voting systems but right now that's all we got so you can't have the attitude it's a rigged election i'm not going to vote don't have that attitude we need your vote make it count uh that's that's the message and the, and the fact that we were successful in San Francisco is a, is a, a, major, a major win for the good guys, in, in my opinion. So before we get into more news, I want to talk about the Wounded Blue to my listeners and viewers. Um, you'll see I'm drinking from my Wounded Blue mug, and you can get a Wounded Blue shirt just like this. It says, never forgotten, never alone. 
And the reason for that is because when a police officer is severely injured in the line of duty, oftentimes they are literally thrown away by their cities and by their police agencies, and they feel very isolated. Many of those injuries, whether they are physical or emotional and psychological, can play a devastating role in those officers' lives, and they feel forgotten, they feel alone. I created this organization. I founded it a little over three years ago. We have helped more than 10,000 American law enforcement officers since then, and we literally save lives. We do it through dedicated peer support uh, as our main function. Now, what does that mean? Uh, I have some of the most incredible uh, team members that, I, that I, I can't even tell you how, how proud I am of them because even though many have faced uh, severe injury, even disabling injuries, they still want to serve and they continue to serve as a, uh, as a certified peer team member, helping others who are now facing those serious injuries. And they are incredible people from all over the country. So I'd like you to know more about the Wounded Blue. I'd like you to help the Wounded Blue in their mission. Go to thewoundedblue.org, thewoundedblue.org. Check us out. Check out our documentary film on Amazon called The Wounded Blue. It'll blow you away. You, you have no concept until you see this of how our officers are often treated. And uh, you can become a supporter of The Wounded Blue. If you want one of these shirts or one of these cool mugs, go to thewoundedblue.org and hit the shop button. It'll take you over to our friends over at Relentless Defender who make all of our stuff and, and ship it out for us. So uh, thewoundedblue.org, be a hero to our heroes. Um, you know, as we are talking about all, all of this, this insanity in law enforcement, you know, the fight continues. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, Moses, um, one of the things that, that we keep on seeing is how the anti-law enforcement movement, how effective it has actually been. Um, the other day, uh, this headline came out, mass exodus strikes NYPD. Over 1,500 mm -hmm. cops retired or quit so far this year. We're, the year's only half over. And they've lost 1,500 police officers. Moses, this is, is astounding. And I know we've seen this across the country, but when I see a, a number as, as um, startling as 1,500 members of one police department retiring or just plain quitting in, in, in a city that is now facing some of the highest crime levels they've seen in decades. Um, what's this telling you? Officers are tapped out. They're, they're done. They, they can't take it anymore. This, this job is already, this profession, because to me, it's not just a job. It's actually, it's a calling. It's, it's, it's your calling in life. And many people see it that way. And that's why they became police officers to begin with. Um, and so they're, they're just tired and they can't take it anymore. Uh, now, not, not only are they worried about, uh, you know, the gang members, the, the, the dangerous traffic stops, you know, the violence against police officers. Now they have to worry about the, the attacks on them from within their own leadership, right? From within the, the mayor, from within their city council, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're against us. So now they have, they're going to be second guess. I mean, you know, about officer Darby who is now was convicted of murder, murder, 
after responding to a call of a man with a gun that was suicidal. And there was two officers, two of his partners there uh, at the scene. And Officer Darby asked the guy to drop the gun, drop the gun, and he, and he did it. So Officer, Officer Darby thought that, you know, this uh, man with the gun was going to shoot his uh, partner officers. So he took action. And as a result, that suspect died. And the person that went to prison is Officer Darby. I can't believe that. It's insane. I mean, it's insane. It's, and this is part of what these district attorneys, I mean, when Gascon took office, one of the first things he did as a campaign promise was to go back and pro and look at all the police officer shootings and try and figure out a way to prosecute those officers. Yes, yes. Not only did he make that, but the, the county board of supervisors gave him a $1.5 budget to bring an outside prosecutor, a special counsel, if you will, and a team of experts, which they're all leftists, civil rights activist attorneys, to be part of this task force. And, you know, it's it's unbelievable that 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 we're allowing that crap to happen. So, yeah, no wonder these officers are leaving. I mean, they can't win. They have no support from their leadership, from their city leaders. They have no support from the department. And, and now they have to face going to prison for doing their duty to protect and serve. And I pray and hope that the governor uh, uh, pardons Officer Darby because that's probably going to be the only hope of getting him out because it doesn't it doesn't look good uh, other than a pardon. So hopefully we could, uh, you know, put our, our, our you know, come, come uh, and, and support him, get people to get involved. But in any event, those, those are the reasons why people are, are leaving in, in the droves because it's not worth it anymore. And, and in, New, I, in, in New York, um, you know, the, the recent election of a former police commander, um, Mayor Adams, uh, revealed in one sense that the people in New York are saying, you know what, we don't feel safe anymore. And we want, we want our streets returned to us. But at the same time, Moses, and this is mind-boggling to me, the same voters that put Adams into office in order to combat crime also elected another activist district attorney. It's like, it's like this is schizophrenicville in New York. You, you, yeah. you, you hire, you, you, you elect one guy because of, of you, you don't feel safe. And on the other hand, you elect the guy that is going to make sure you are you aren't safe so this is also something that that I, I that once again people have to have to understand what they're voting for and who they're voting for and and so and I, I don't I mean all I've watched is is mayor Adams I maybe he's well-intentioned but I haven't seen him I haven't seen anything anything solid from him and of course, the district attorney Bragg, he's he came out immediately, just like Gascon, uh, vowing not to prosecute people. So, the, no wonder the cops are leaving. They got they've got. Uh, I mean, I, at least at least Adams is better than De Blasio, because I mean, <laughs> under De Blasio and under Cuomo, the the laws were were radicalized in New York City. I mean, now it is no bail or low bail. And it is it is astounding to see violent criminals 
literally being given a bench ticket after they're arrested and they're back on the street before the cops can even finish their paperwork. Why would you? Yeah, why would? You, why would you be a cop there? You're absolutely right. It's the attitude that our, our elected leaders have that are anti-police more than you know being supportive, and that's what I'm talking about. We need leaders who are going to support law enforcement by words and actions. Period. Uh, you know, you're not going to believe this one, Randy. So George Gascon also said when he when he became uh, into office, he said that he was going to have his office pay for the funeral costs of any suspect that shot by police. No. Or killed by Are you kidding me? No. I can't make this shit up. He he actually <laughs> said that because so here we get this. Uh, armed robber commits a robbery of a liquor store. He gets into a shootout with the police. He dies. Oh, we're going to pay for taxpayers. We're going to pay for that funeral. Can you? I, I th This is something I have not heard. And uh, I, once again, mind mind boggling is the only is the only word that I can use to describe something as absolutely asinine as that. Just just incredible. Good Lord. I mean, it, is that is that widely known in the in the L.A. community that he's that he's going to piss away the taxpayers money on people killed by the police? Well, he tried using what we call the Victim Compensation Fund, but then he realized he couldn't use that because that's strictly for victims of crime. The very first question in that application is, uh, the person applying for this uh, resource, did that person commit a crime? And if they did, obviously they're not gonna qualify. So he realized real quick that it wasn't gonna work, so he started to tap into private donorship. I'm not sure if he's able to do that, uh, but there was, there was one, um case that is happening and i need to research it to see if it actually did you know if his office did pay for this funeral so we'll see but yeah i mean he he said it publicly uh he he wasn't shy about it but what is it widely known i don't know i don't think so i'm just that, that's a that's a head scratcher for me too i'm just i it's, it's like you you keep on dropping bombs on me here moses <laughs> i know i know <laughs> We gotta, we gotta get the message out that these guys are evil. Uh, they're, they're not in it for, for the, the benefit of their communities. They're there for themselves, more power. And, and you know what? I, I think if, if, he, if the recall is successful, he'll actually benefit from that as well. He's gonna say, look, I'm the martyr. I was taken out, but I'm still gonna fight. So he's gonna spin it one way or another to benefit him. Uh, no matter what. Well, very very, uh, like, very much like Chesa Bowden did. Somehow, he's a delusional guy. He came out publicly and said, this is victorious for us because the movement lives on. I mean, that guy is out of his mind. All right. Hey, uh, uh, we're running out of time, Moses. I want to thank you so much for, for taking some time and joining me here on The Voice for American Law Enforcement. Uh, Moses Castillo, 30-year uh, veteran of the LAPD. Uh, you've got uh, the podcast still, correct? The uh, Thin Blue Line podcast on KABC. Yeah, the Blue Line podcast out of KABC AM 790 in Los Angeles. And people can find you on uh, the uh, the social media platform, Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. You could just uh, look up Detective Moses Castillo and uh, you'll, you'll easily find me there. Great. Thank you so much for joining me, buddy. We, you and I will talk again soon. Let's, uh, let's keep our fingers crossed about the, uh, the end of the reign of George Gascon.
Thanks, Randy. All right. So um, at the end of our show, it, I feel that it is my duty to eulogize and memorialize those men and women of the law enforcement profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice, given their lives in the line of duty. So each week I read the names of the officers who were killed the previous week. And I got a lot of names to read today. The first is Police Officer Kenneth Kroom, Meridian Police Department, Mississippi. Police Officer Kenneth Kroom was shot and killed while responding to a domestic violence call at 5.30 p.m. Other officers responding to the call discovered that Officer Kroom and a victim of the domestic violence had both been shot. Both were pronounced dead a short time later. The male suspect had fled the scene, but was arrested the following morning by members of the United States Marshals Service. Officer Kroom served the Meridian Police for almost two years previously, served the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office, Jackson Police, Brookhaven Police, and Hines County Sheriff's Office. Police Officer Kenneth Kroom, Meridian Police Department, Mississippi. End of watch Thursday, June 9th, 2022. The next is Senior Investigator Kyle Patterson of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission in Florida. Senior Investigator Kyle Patterson succumbed to injuries sustained in a head-on collision on Okeechobee Road near uh, Fort Pierce. A driver was traveling eastbound in the westbound lanes, and they crashed into Investigator Patterson's Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission truck at 12 p.m. The driver of the other vehicle was also killed. Investigator Patterson had served with Florida Fish and Wildlife for 15 years. He is survived by his wife and young children. Senior Investigator Kyle Patterson, Florida Fish and Wildlife, end of watch Thursday, June 9th, 2022. Police Officer Christopher Ferriello, Tallahassee Police Department, Florida. Police Officer Christopher Ferriello was killed when his patrol car was struck head-on at the intersection of Capitol Circle Northwest and Northwest Passage by a vehicle being pursued by other officers, 1.26 a.m. Around 12.30 a.m., Tallahassee police received a call about an assault. The investigation revealed that a subject entered his home, shot and wounded three of his family members, then fled in his vehicle. As the Leon County Sheriff's Office and Tallahassee police uh, encountered the vehicle, the subject turned his vehicle around, drove toward oncoming traffic, and collided with Officer Ferriola's patrol car. He was taken to the hospital where he succumbed. The officer was also taken to the hospital with, unfortunately, non-life-threatening injuries. He has served, uh, Officer Ferriola has served with Tennessee, Tallahassee Police for four years, previously served with the Wilton Manors Police. He is survived by his parents. Uh, police Officer Christopher Ferriello, Tallahassee Police, end of watch Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. Detective Justin Terry, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, Nevada. Detective Justin Terry was killed when a steel height restriction beam fell onto his department vehicle on US 95 and Route 215 at about 7 a.m. The beam had been installed to prevent overheight vehicles from entering the construction zone where a new overpass was being built. A tractor trailer pulling a piece of large equipment struck the beam, causing it to fall onto Detective Terry's vehicle as he drove beneath it. Detective Terry has served in the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department for 21 years. He was assigned to the Homicide Sex Crimes Bureau. He is survived by his wife and two sons. Detective Justin Terry, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police. End of watch, June 10th, 2022. 
Um, I was personally acquainted with uh, Detective Terry. He was a hell of a cop, a hell of a good man. And last is Deputy First Class Glenn Hilliard, Wicomico County Sheriff's Office, Maryland. Deputy First Class Glenn Hilliard was shot and killed in Pittsville while attempting to arrest a man wanted on multiple felony warrants from several jurisdictions. Deputy Hilliard saw the man leaving his apartment on Gumboro Road and attempted to arrest him. The man fled on foot and then opened fire on Deputy Hilliard as he pursued him. Deputy Hilliard was fatally wounded during the shooting. The man continued to flee after shooting the deputy but was arrested later in the night. Deputy Hilliard served the Wicomico County Sheriff's Office for six years. He is survived by his wife, three children. Deputy First Class Glenn Hilliard, Wicomico County Sheriff's Office, Maryland. End of watch, Sunday, June 12, 2022. Each of these officers gave their lives in the line of duty, serving their communities. May they rest in peace. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today on another episode of The Voice for American Law Enforcement. I'm your host, Randy Sutton. Um, I uh, can be reached at, on Facebook at The Voice for American Law Enforcement. Also, at if you're a if you're a uh, Instagram user, uh, at LT Randy Sutton, and uh, I'm very easy to find. You can find me at thewoundedblue.org as well. If you want to support the men and women who are sacrificing so much for you. I urge you to go to thewoundedblue.org. Give what you can. Uh, become a supporter. Become a hero to those heroes. If you want to contact me because you want to sponsor our organization, if you're a business, um, we have some incredible events coming up, such as the National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. I urge every police officer who is watching this or listening to this to go to thewoundedblue.org, look under events, and come to this summit. It is life-changing. It is life-saving. The second annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. If you want to be a sponsor of that and you want to show the people who serve that your business supports them, Contact me personally, Randy at thewoundedblue.org. It's Randy at thewoundedblue.org. Thanks for joining me again. We'll see you next week.